0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from all three readings, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Hallelujah! Christ is risen! He is risen, risen indeed. Hallelujah. Today I'd like to tell you a story that is as old as creation. It's a story that asks a question about love. What would you do for someone you love? Or how far would you go for that person? How far would you go for that person that you love? What would you be willing to do for that person? Now the story that I'm going to use is not a story that is found in the Bible. It's probably a story that you've never heard of unless you happen to watch the children's chat already, which then you've heard the full version. And I'm only going to summarize it for you. The story is called I'd Punch a Lion in His Eye for You by Ben Wolfe. And the reason you probably have never heard of this book before is because this book was brought to life by a whole 57 people through the crowdfunding website, Kickstarter. People pledged money in order for this book to be published if it met its goal. Thus, those who pledged received the book. It's a story that our kids know because we've read it to them many times. Now this in no way compares to the story of the Bible, but I think that we can learn something about God through the eyes of this story because stories are good. I mean, the Bible is full of earthly stories that are told that have deeper meanings. We would call them parables. And there was this famous guy who told lots of them. You may have heard of him before. His name is Jesus. He's kind of a big deal, especially today. Really every day, though. So let's use this story to connect you back to Christ. Now the story is set between a father and a son in three different scenes, and each time the son gets older. But he asks the same question to begin. Dad, do you love me? To which the dad says, of course I love you. And the son responds with, how much do you love me? Have you ever asked this question of God? Do you love me? For the last year, we've lived so much of it isolated from most of our family, our friends, our neighbors. We haven't been able to physically hug, shake hands with anybody, really, anybody that we normally would. We haven't been able to strengthen those bonds by being in physical contact with other people. And it's possible that this has happened with God too. Your lack of in-person worship may have affected how closely you have connected with God because Bible study on Zoom or worship on the web or on TV just isn't the same. And as much as you feel distance from others in the world, maybe you feel distance from God as well. And you're left questioning if God still loves you. If God cares about you, if he's really there for you in your time of need, in your time of desperation, in your time of isolation. God, do you love me? Do you care about me? Are you even there? Can you hear me? And maybe you get the ever faintest yes. And naturally, you would respond with, well, how much do you love me? When the father in this book is asked this question, he says, I love you so much that I would lay down my life for you. And the son responds with, what does that mean? Most parents, I know, would say that they would be willing to do anything for their child, especially if they were ever in harm's way, even if it meant laying down their life to save their child. Now, saying it and actually being faced with it are two different things. And the father who is asked this question at three different stages in the son's life uses three different adventures to explain the depths of what his love means and just how far he's willing to go. The first is imagining they're on a safari in Africa, and they come face to face with a ferocious lion. And if that lion lunged toward the son, the dad, if you haven't figured it out by the title of the book yet, the dad would punch that lion in his eye for the son. The next scene is swimming in the ocean, coming face to face with a massive shark, to which the dad said that he would kick that shark in his gills for his son. And the final scene takes them back in time to the time of the dinosaurs and coming face to face with a tremendous toothy T-Rex who's hungry, to which the dad said that he would bash that T-Rex in his jaw for his son. And each time the son questions that love, because lions and sharks and T-Rexes would eat his father. And he soon and not feels too old to hear these stories. And because his father doesn't live with him, the son tells his dad. He doesn't need to be rescued from lions or sharks or T-Rexes. He just needs his dad. When we come back to ourselves and we ask the question, how much do you love me, God? He says the same thing as the dad in the story. I love you so much that I'd lay down my life for you. And what does that mean? Well, you take a look at your life and I don't think many of you are in danger of lions or sharks. Certainly not dinosaurs. But you are in danger. You're in danger of one who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We're in danger of the one who has been around from when dinosaurs were still roaming the earth. We're in danger of Satan, who will do anything to make sure that we don't know how much God loves us. He will do anything to make sure that we suffer the same eternal punishment that he is suffering. He will do anything to destroy you and your faith. Because it's your faith that has been gifted to you by the Holy Spirit, That believes in what Christ has done for you because he loves you. God loves you so much that he gave you Jesus so that you would believe in him and that you would not perish, but that you would have eternal life rather than suffer eternal hell. Or as Paul writes in Romans 5 God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are sinners. We are born into sin. We are born into this sin-filled world, and as sinners, we sin. And in our sin, there is danger, because sin has consequences. Sin leads to death. Sin leads to hell. So yes, we are in danger of Satan, and we are also in danger of hell. And hell is eternal death. It is forever being separated from the love of God. Sin, death, and the devil have all made a claim on you and your life. They are coming to devour you, to consume you for all eternity. And they are way more dangerous than lions and sharks and T-Rexes. Because now we're no longer talking about stories. We're talking about reality. We're talking about what all of us deserve for the consequences of our sin. And there is nothing, nothing that you can do to save yourself. You are a helpless child with the greatest enemy bearing down on you. So on Good Friday, Jesus steps into that fatherly role, gets between you and your sin and death and hell and Satan as the father who loves his child and will do anything for them. He says... I love you so much that I'd lay down my life for you. What does that mean? Well, there's no punching or kicking or bashing that Jesus does to save us. In fact, he lets it all happen to him. He lets himself get punched and kicked and bashed and beaten and spit on and mocked and bloodied, ultimately crucified to the cross. Jesus said that he would lay down his life for his children, and he actually did it, because it was the only way to save us from sin and death. He had to step between us to take our sin, our death, in our place. He becomes our sacrificial lamb. He becomes our substitutionary atonement. That means he substitutes himself in our place. On our behalf, bearing our sin and all of its consequences, enduring the death that we deserve, suffering hell for us. God, do you love me? How much do you love me? When you question your faith, if God really loves you, if he's really there, if he really cares, Make no mistake that those temptations are coming from Satan, who wants you to believe that God doesn't love you, that he doesn't care about you, that he's not there, that he's not there for you ever. God, how much do you love me? This much, he said. And he stretched out his arms and gave up his spirit. On Good Friday, Jesus bowed his head and died. And for some, all seemed lost, at least those in the world. It looked like the devil had won. The Savior had been killed, crucified by his own people. It seemed like the Jesus followers had been dealt a crushing blow. There was a crushing that happened on Good Friday, except it wasn't done to Jesus. It was done by Jesus. The crushing was foretold long ago. And it goes back to the story of creation. The first story that we see in God's word, the beginning of the earth. Adam and Eve sinned. Brought sin into the world. And that sin brought death. But as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God gave them a promise, which was a curse to the old serpent, Satan, the devil himself. God said that the offspring of Eve would come and crush the serpent's head. Yes, that offspring, his heel would be struck. A non-fatal blow. That's Christ's death on the cross. But in his death, he destroys. He destroys sin, death, and the devil. But we only know that Jesus accomplished these things because he rose from the dead. It's Easter that makes everything complete. It is Easter that brings full circle Christmas, where we hear that he will be given the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. It is Good Friday where we see that Jesus dies for the sins of all people. And it is Easter Sunday where we see that the tomb is empty because death has been defeated. Or as the Old Testament reading from Isaiah said, Christ has swallowed up death forever. Death has no victory, and this will be fully realized for all of us when Christ returns. And as Paul says in the New Testament reading from 1 Corinthians, this is of first importance. This is our number one priority. The message that Christ died for our sins, that he rose from the dead on the third day. This is of first importance because if Christ has not been raised, there is no forgiveness. We are still dead in our sins. Satan is victorious. We are not. And our faith is worthless. But Christ has been raised. And when we go to Easter morning, when we go to where Christ was buried, it was the women who were the first ones there. And there's an angel waiting for them. And if you can just imagine this moment, the build-up, the anticipation, the excitement, this message that this angel gets to bring. I mean, Christmas was pretty spectacular and all, right? To the shepherds, the whole company of heaven, the good news of great joy. But this one makes all the difference. This message, this good news of great joy, that he is not here, He is risen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We know looking back on this because we can see all of it take place. On Good Friday, Christ dies for our sins. That's victory number one. On Good Friday, Christ dies perfectly for our sins, never giving in to Satan's temptations. That's victory number two. And on Easter Sunday, Christ rises from the dead. Because the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Victory number three. And Easter is all about life overcoming death. Death is defeated by life, by Christ's resurrection. And with that comes the promise that we too will rise on the last day. And that while we may face physical, earthly death, Christ is alive and has destroyed eternal death for all who believe that we will be with him in paradise forever, joined with him and his great love for us. Now the book ends with the father saying to the son, nothing, not lions or sharks or T-Rexes can keep me away from you. And that near or far, I will always love you. That book sounds quite a bit like Paul writing in Romans. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, sin, Satan, death, nothing can separate us from Christ's love. Because he would do anything for you. Anything for you to spend eternity with him. Punching lions or crushing serpents. It's all for you. And he did exactly that. Because he did what needed to be done to save you. And we know this is true. Because hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.